0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Investing Experts Podcast. I'm Daniel Snyder, we're here on Seeking Alpha. We appreciate you tuning in. We love that you come back episode after episode. Now we have one of my personal favorite investing group leaders here with us today, Chris DeMuth Jr. He runs Sifting the World. If you haven't checked it out already, I highly encourage you to do so. This guy focuses on arbitrage and litigation and he is a master at what he does. Chris, I can't thank you enough for the time today. We gotta dive into three new litigation ideas, but we wanna do a recap of some of the calls from the last podcast we did with you in September of last year. But first things first, why not just say Happy New Year to everybody, right? And we hope everybody has a great investing year ahead. So Chris, let's dive on in. I want to kick things off. Uranium. Last time we talked, you were talking about it. You mentioned you had a position in the Sprott Physical Uranium Trust Units. Do you still have those? Are you still favoring uranium at this time?
1: we do uh happy new year uh great to be here daniel uh we uh it's a significant position it is my only kind of direct uh commodity position i, I just don't have uh uranium we, we own we have some uranium equities but it's just hasn't been a sector where i've been able to fall in love with many of the companies and management teams uh but we sure like the uh commodity i would say that even since we last spoke things further tilt towards a kind of consensus that the kind of you know right of center kind of more free market more capitalist oriented more pro energy side is really being joined by more and more left of center governments in Europe and across the world uh willing to look at nuclear and reclassifying uh nuclear energy as clean energy which of course it is clean energy cleanest and safest and i mean there are individual uh, hydroelectric uh, projects uh, especially in the less developed world that have had uh, far more deaths than the entire history of the uh, nuclear industry Uh, it's safe it's clean and that consensus where greater uh, energy production is needed is really going to drive this something that i like that um some of my friends have noted, but it is kind of my jam is I'm very interested in massive scale mismatches where somebody um, can enrich me at a scale that matters a lot to me, but it doesn't matter that much to them. It's not a huge uh, deal. And the uranium input in the utilities is just not that big a price. They could could two, three, four, five X from here without getting anybody fired. And so uh, uh, that I think is an interesting part of the opportunity. I think it's gonna be a big part of our energy future. I think that alternative uh, intermittent energy is uh, uh, faddish. It is uh, occasionally uh, useful some of the times, some of the places, but it's never gonna be this big part of our energy needs which are going to be filled by petrochemicals and by nuclear that coal, I think is, you know, that that that, that is probably where the environmentalists have more uh, progress to make on uh, lessening its environmental impact if they're willing to go with nuclear. But if they say only intermittent energy is a, just an unserious, that just to kind of exclude them from a serious part of the conversation.
0: Now, there seems to be a lot of fear around nuclear energy for a large cohort of people, whether it's approximation near localities or, you know, the idea that if we ever go to war, somebody might focus on targeting those specific infrastructure. Do you think that's warranted? Or is that kind of just the trade-off of if we're going to lower our energy uh, coal dependence and try to reduce the energy costs here for Americans? Is that just kind of the trade-off that we need to accept? Any thoughts?
1: Yeah. I mean, I really uh, believe... Uh, in uh, uh, the Tom Soule uh, view that there are no solutions, only trade-offs. So I think it's a legitimate concern, but it's largely emotional. I mean, it is safe, it is clean, uh, and uh, our infrastructure, hardening our infrastructure against enemies is an uh, important, deep topic. Uh, it's one that I think nuclear uh, uh, opponents uh, raise uh uh cynically and inconsistently there's a lot about our grid that could be hardened more uh but uh nuclear plants are actually uh probably some of the safest and some of the best defended already it's the same word as nuclear bomb it's not a it's not it's not as if there's going to be a mushroom cloud over one of these even in a disaster Uh, but i think that connection has this emotional um pull that is uh, hard to avoid
0: Great. Now, moving on to uh, what we spoke about last time as well, SHF Holdings. This was, of course, a fintech company serving the cannabis space. And I was doing a little research. I think the last time we spoke, there were 23 states that had it legalized. Now we're up to 24. You said last time this would go to 31. Wanted to get your ideas on how that play is working out. Because you did say at the time it was your only stock in your individual account. Is that still the case or, or what's the update here?
1: Yeah, so um that is not the case. I actually have something new uh, personally and and most of my equity exposures through my fund this is through my uh, the LP this is uh uh, uh personal. Um, so I have one new one to uh, uh, discuss, not quite today, but shortly. Uh, but this is a significant investment of mine. Uh, I love this company, love the management team. It's something that uh, I have a lot of interest in the uh, credit unions and mutuals because of the potential for demutualization, and this is one I bumped into through that topic. Um, I think it is uh, the market cap is still under a uh, hundred million dollars. I think it's huge. Hugely undervalued. Uh, they um, have a neat little niche doing fintech for the cannabis industry. Uh, I don't think we're going to get safe banking or safer banking or cannabis banking rules clarified for a few more years. Ultimately, their exit's going to be a sale to kind of a vanilla um, uh, company uh after it's fully nationally legalized and clarified but they have this big runway for the next few years and then their growth opportunity is really in the kind of grayer category they find themselves in now where they just don't have that much competition um they have really good contracts both on the bank side and on the customer side and i think they fill a need uh in a big growing industry and that they're willing to do i think it's a lot harder when you're diversified before full clarity, because you have basically hostages, you have basically so much to lose outside of cannabis that it's very hard to service cannabis. Um, And so I think uh, SHFS is going to uh, grow. I think that they're going to be able to clarify their value proposition. I think they've figured out a lot of, um, this industry they've cleaned up their balance sheet i think it's going to you know i think it's trading uh, uh enough over 1 right now that it kind of cleans up listing requirements but i think it's going to be much closer to $2 per share by this time next year
0: amazing now i want to take some time and dive into the fresh new ideas these are three litigation ideas that you have so far for the year you obviously have more but thank you for sharing these three with us i got to say before we kick off i just love the approach that you have as an investor i got to say that out loud because We talk about cannabis and some people are not really into it. We talk about ARVs, which you're all about. There's litigation. And I don't know, but every time you put out ideas, I just follow it. And it's just like you're right time and time again, whether it was back with Twitter or Activision. And we, I mean, you follow all these things, you keep an eye on them. And we've had your track record publicly available as well through this content that we create together. So people can go back and look at all the Chris DeMuth Jr. episodes and see exactly what I'm talking about. So three litigation ideas for this year. Why don't you go ahead and walk us through them?
1: Sure. I I think that this is helpful to think about in terms of a basket. It's helpful to think about in terms of uh, probabilities. Uh, and uh, so kind of it's the same category for me. Uh, the first one is one of my largest favorite positions, Liquidia, ticker LQDA. Um, very large position for me, very, very large for kind of a mostly pre-revenue, mostly uh, more or less one product uh, company. Um, so a couple things about it. The, the uh, management, if anybody is interested, is going to be presenting at the JP Morgan conference uh, shortly, but I have a pretty good sense of what they're going to say, which is um, they've had an incredibly long process to get to market. It's coming close to an end. I believe that we're going to get the final approval from the FDA uh, as soon as this month and the the final stay, court stay against them going to market uh, shortly thereafter. uh, The final filings in the court case this month Uh, And then the judge will make a decision whenever. But of course, if you're going to lift a stay. You probably wouldn't wait a year to say, yes, you can go now. It's kind of intrinsic to the substance of lifting a stay, which I think is highly likely is that the judge is going to move quickly and they're going to get to market uh, by uh, the beginning part of Q2. Their sales force is already, they have a year supply of uh, of product available. uh, And uh, so this is one that I think is um, a key part of our litigation portfolio, Um, the uh, incumbent United Therapeutics uh, has just done everything possible to keep them from market. It's a multi-billion dollar market that their product addresses that uh, uh, they have used our uh, intellectual property uh, court, uh uh infrastructure as a uh, defense uh against an entrance and they've done it for a long time they've done it for a company that needed capital so it has had to go back and done some raises but if we get to market by april i don't believe that they need to raise any additional capital i would happily participate if they did and uh so this is one that um is kind of a very uh, important interesting position uh to me Um, it's, uh, the shares cost kind of, it bounces around, it's volatile between 12 and $13 a share. Um, I think that it is worth high teens. Um, I think that that value. Is going to be unlocked as people like me who are interested in the litigation aspect of it kind of, uh, have, um, been with it for a while, but then it's going to turn to people who are more interested in. Uh, the kind of normal company trading normally, but the market cap's still under a billion dollars. um and this is a market. I mean they could be making they could be making every year more money than their entire market cap recently was. So I just think that that has been completely mispriced uh, because of the very effective delays. A frustrating thing is, United Therapeutics lawyers are going to be congratulated after losing everything in the end because it was just a delay tactic and they were really successful. So it's uh, cynical. I'd also mention United Therapeutics is a public benefits company. So, I mean, people have uh, uh, had their health uh, and in some cases lives uh, far worse off because the best product hasn't gotten to market because they were protecting a monopoly. And so that monopoly is about to break probably by April. and it, price, uh, uh, the, the share price between 12 and 13. I think it's going to be well above 15 uh, by then. So I think that's a great opportunity, big position of mine, especially given the content of the company.
0: Yeah. Liquidia, I was reading and you were talking about the FDA kind of being like a gatekeeper for them. And they they charge over 100,000 to over 350,000 per year because they can like the, It sounds like they do have that revenue channel set up. And I think it's a compelling case. Now moving on, uh which one do you want to touch on next? Buford or Roy? Let's go. Uh, uh I I can I can talk about anything you'd like. Um
1: uh Royvent is the one just because it kind of uh I think makes a little bit of sense uh as a fellow uh, uh pharma uh topic, uh if that's fine with you. Uh so Royvent,
0: would that make sense? Yeah, let's dive on in.
1: I'm much more comfortable with my Royvent position than liquidity. I think liquidity is gonna be um spectacularly successful. But if I'm wrong on the litigation, boy, am I wrong. Uh, there's not a lot of security there. You have to kind of size it for what you're comfortable risking, uh, which in my case would be dramatically bad if I was wrong on the litigation path. Uh, Royvent is a much more relaxing topic for me. I kind of bought it in successive secondaries. My recollection, $5, dollars seven fifty. dollars Still just love it here. Um, I just think the price is just wrong. Um, I mean, I think that uh, it costs somewhere around $11 per share, um, but we're talking about something that has a pile of cash and uh, a pile of Immunivant, uh, IMVT equity uh, worth more than that. I think it's reasonably likely uh, uh, IMVT sold this year for a substantial premium to the current market price. Um, So while I sit on and wait on what I'm here for at $11 per share, I mean, I think that you get uh, famous last words, but close to a free roll in terms of uh, safety. What I'm here for, though, is the litigation. They have litigation um, uh, against Moderna um, and Pfizer. uh, And in the early part of the COVID pandemic, the government basically... Freed these companies up to move fast and break things, and boy did they! And one of the things they were breaking was intellectual property owned by other companies, including uh, one public and one private subsidiary of Royvent. Um, these are two Goliaths. I mean, these are huge companies. I think that they are going to settle with Royvent, Royvent's public subsidiary or Budistic or ABUS, which I also have a position in, and uh, a, a, another private. Sub, but basically, Royvents is the controlling company here. Um, these guys are so big that you could have some fabulous bonanza outcome for Royvent worth uh, a substantial amount of its market cap. And I don't even know that Moderna or Pfizer trade down that day. Uh, and so it's one more of these kind of scale mismatches where something could be spectacular outcome for me, but not a spectacularly bad outcome for the other guy. They just like I'm a little nat nuisance for these massive companies and successfully settling ip litigation could be hugely valuable against each other you know and when moderna and pfizer turn against each other defending their ip on the COVID vaccine i think the first one to settle i think there's really interesting game theory there so that's going to kind of unfold this year i think there is um you know, I think it's largely de-risked just on the immune event sale. And then we wait on a, what I think is going to be a win or possible settlement with Moderna and Pfizer. And that's just uh, hugely valuable for, uh, for, uh, Royvent.
0: So about Royvent, you put a, on the the last little note here for that article and that section specifically, you had mentioned that the founder of the company is actually the U S potential elect for Republican. He had sold a large block of shares when he began his presidential campaign. Is that factor as to what might happen with this company? Or is that just kind of a sidebar note?
1: Um, sort of a sidebar. Mo- I mean, the biggest relevance is that I, I have a significant stake in this and have been buying it, you know, it, it, some in the public market, but mostly in secondaries. And so, uh, so it's just been a source of, uh, um, uh, um, uh, inventory for me to buy as he sold um so that's really the factor i don't think it's a data point in any way I, I i think insider buys are always interesting and insider sales are rarely interesting because they really just have you know he needs to fund an expensive presidential campaign he might get elected president he's far more likely to be included in a cabinet any one of which would make it difficult to own Uh, individual securities like this. So, um, so yeah, so it's, um, uh, he's a fascinating guy. It's a fascinating company. He's done extremely well with it. Uh, And, uh, but it's not, it's not a data point on the outcome either way. Um, I think that it's time to sell Immunivant. I think that's going to happen either way. Um, and I think it's time to settle or win uh, litigation against people who stole their intellectual property, and I think that's gonna proceed either
0: way. So no, I, I mean, it's kind of a uh, curious uh, side note. Insider sell for any reason and buy for one. Great reminder there. Yeah, right. yeah. All right, let's jump into this last one. You have for is Buford. Am I saying that right? Capital Limited? That's how I say it. I, I don't
1: know how to say it wrong, uh, but uh, ticker B-U-R. Um, I'm a big fan of Argentina's new president. We've owned this one for a while, but um, he, uh, a very colorful character, has uh, indicated that he very much intends to uh, pay us the money that we are owed in a big uh, litigation, a predecessor of his nationalized slash stole uh, YPF uh, Argentina's um, uh, now uh, lar- largely or partially state-owned um, uh, energy company. Uh, I Texas hedged this one. I, I'm long both YPF and uh, Burford, um, and uh, so I think that his support for acting honorably here and for his country paying money they owe is a very good sign. The caveat is he doesn't have a huge amount of power outside his own office. He doesn't have a big party, so he's kind of a minority on the legislative side as a president, um, but he's a fascinating character, a very good guy, very, very smart. Um, he's often uh, analogized to Donald Trump, but it's a very imperfect analogy. He's kind of much more of a limited government, free market uh, guy and quite sophisticated and, again, I think very strong in public policy. Um, so one logical uh, outcome here has not been offered yet, but I think would really fit is that he could kill two birds with one stone. He wants to reprivatize YPF, which sounds great to me as a YPF uh, equity holder, and he wants to pay his debts and compensate Burford, which sounds very good to me as a Burford holder. Uh, and also, we have done a litigation financing in the in the litigation against them. So why not just sell uh, off or pay? Burford with the YPF stake. So you could both get Argentina down uh, uh, when he doesn't want the government owning and controlling this company. And that would kind of reverse the original theft. And so uh, that's, you know, one of many ways that would be um, kind of rational and serve everybody's uh, everybody's uh, interest. Um, I think the market um, has kind of just been, you know, the whole time has been um, uh, uh, skeptical of this. It costs between $14 and $15 a share. And um, there's other very interesting things in their litigation portfolio, but you can get here just on their kind of standard business plus, you know, this one suit. And so it's, it's, it's the biggest suit they have. And um, I think that you can uh settle this one as well. You know, more likely to settle than eventually get paid full price. But um but I think uh, I'm far more optimistic on their prospects than the market is.
0: You're definitely staying true to the uh, the name Sifting the World. Got to say that. Really appreciate it, Chris. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for bringing us these three names. Uh, we'll watch them going into this year, and I can't wait to have you on in a future episode so we can look awesome. back and see how they've done. Uh, anything you want to say before we jump off here?
1: No, um, I, have, I have I have a couple more we can talk about next time. Um, I have, um, you know, Esperian was one of my big ideas, but it kind of, we that was settled recently, uh, ESPR. Uh, and then I have another one. I, I'll have a fresh new uh, litigation one for you next time we talk. So whenever you're available, I uh, would love to come on again. Uh, meanwhile, thank you for your time. Hopefully people are
0: interested in these ideas. Absolutely. Everyone can't encourage you enough. I mean, Chris is always writing new ideas on sifting the world. Go check it out here on Seeking Alpha. We thank you everyone for listening today and we'll see you in the next episode of Investing Experts Podcast. Just a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast should not be considered investment advice. This is for entertainment purposes only and you should seek advice from a licensed professional before investing. If you enjoyed the episode, leave a rating or review on your favorite podcasting app and we'll see you soon with a new episode.